Hey guys, glad to be on here with you today. And today we're going to uh, talk about a topic that I'm noticing a lot in evangelicalism today. And that is the idea that people are inherently good. That people are by nature good. Now I think this strikes at the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, itself. Uh, I want to show a short clip. In dealing with people for several years, thousands of people, one thing I can tell you is 99.9% .9 of people are not bad people. They may make poor choices, but deep down, they've got a good heart. Well, what does the Bible say? Um, do people deep down have a good heart? Are 99.9% .9 of people good, as Joel Osteen says? I think to say they are is to deny the gospel, to deny the scriptures. Um, so I think this is a gospel issue. I think uh, at the heart, it's a gospel issue. If you get uh, the uh, condition of man wrong, um, then you're going to get the gospel wrong. But so what does the scriptures have to say about the condition of man? Well, we're going to look at two places today. We're going to look at Romans chapter 3 and then Matthew chapter 19 at the rich young ruler. Um, we know that in Romans that Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome uh, to a church that he didn't plant, um, that other people had worked and planted those churches in Rome but Paul wanted to establish um, an understanding of the gospel and to help them have a good foundation of understanding the gospel. So he writes the letter to Rome, and Paul's desire was to eventually go to Rome, and we know he did, but he was in prison and ultimately gave his life for Christ in Rome. But we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 10. It says, as it is written, so Paul is pointing back to Old Testament teaching. There is none righteous. How many are righteous? No one is righteous. None. Not even one. There's no one who understands. There's none who seek for God. This is fundamental to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God in Christ is the one that seeks and saves because we were in a state of rebellion before Christ redeemed us. If you're a Christian, you have been redeemed, not because you sought God, but because God sought you. And you may say, well, I began to go to church and have questions. And who, who do you think stirred that in your heart? It wasn't you. It was the Spirit of God. And it was the gospel message that the Spirit of God used to bring you to new life. Text goes on, and all have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. 
their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. In the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the condition of man. All. The Bible says uh, later on, Paul in this very chapter of Romans says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody was uh, is under this condition before Christ. The very purpose of Christ's coming was to redeem us because we could not redeem ourselves. We were not by nature good. It is God who is by nature good. And he is the one that seeks. And he is the one that saves in Christ. We do not save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. Why? Because our condition is rebellion against God. It takes the Spirit of God through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to give us a new heart. There is none who does good. You get this wrong, you get the gospel wrong. You get the purpose of Christ coming wrong. If we are by nature good, there was no purpose in Christ coming to give his life as a ransom for us. There was no purpose in him being our propitiation. He came and he took the wrath that we deserved. Because we are not by nature good the bible says we are objects of wrath why because we have broken god's law john three thirty six says that if you are not in christ you remain under the wrath of a righteous and holy god it is christ who took that wrath for us not only did he do that but the bible says he fulfilled the law you have this doctrine of double imputation. What does that mean? That means that our sinfulness was imputed to Christ, though he was sinless. And at Calvary, he suffered a sinner's death for us. But when we put our faith and trust in him, his righteousness is imputed to us. His goodness is imputed to us. We can never stand before God based on what we consider goodness. What's our measuring stick anyway when we talk about goodness? Are we looking at the drug addict on the street corner? Are we looking at the alcoholic, the prostitute, and say, at least I'm better than them? Well, there's a story in the Scriptures that Jesus points people to, and he says, listen, there was a Pharisee and a tax collector. And they were praying one day in the temple. And the tax collector has his head bowed down and he's beating his chest. And he's saying, God, forgive me. I am a sinner. 
And then the Pharisee looks over at the tax collector and he says, God, I'm thankful I'm not like this tax collector. I'm thankful that, that I do this and I do this and I do this. Basically saying that I am self-righteous. And Jesus said one walked away from that prayer righteous, forgiven, and redeemed. And it was the tax collector who understood his condition before God. This tax collector understood that he could not save himself, that he was a sinner before God, and only God could redeem him. This is the gospel. There's a story in Matthew uh, chapter 19, and also you can find it in Mark chapter 10. But we call it the rich young ruler. And it starts in Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Isn't that human nature? What can I do, God? What do I need to do to fix myself? Jesus says, and he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Why are you talking about goodness? There's only one being in the universe that's good, and that's God. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you know, you should shall not commit murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, "All these things I've kept. What am I still lacking?" This young man missed the whole point of what Jesus was trying to tell him. Hey, you think you're good, but you're not. Jesus said, keep the commandments. Nobody's kept the commandments perfectly but Jesus. And this young man says, well, I've kept them. I've kept these commandments. So what about now? I mean, what else do I have to do? And he missed the point. Jesus had already told him no one's good. There's no human being that is good. You think you're good. It's the problem, rich young ruler. You think you've kept the commandments perfectly. And that is your problem. You think you are self-righteous. But before God, you are a sinner. You have broken his law. Jesus goes on. Jesus said to him, If you wish to complete, be complete. Go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Jesus, I, I've kept all the commandments. 
I know you said only God is good, but you know what? I'm good, God. I'm good, Jesus. I've kept the commandments. It's funny to me that the one commandment that Jesus is going to point out that he's broken, Jesus doesn't mention in the list. That is, you shall have no other gods before me. Jesus asked, says, don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Jesus deals with what's called the second table of the law. How we should treat one another. And he doesn't deal with this young man's understanding of who God is. He doesn't deal with the first table of the law, our response to God and understanding who he is. You shall have no other gods before me. But we see that this young man did have another God, money, possessions, materialism. The gospel is this. It's bad news first. And the bad news is this, that we are by nature sinners, that we have broken God's law and are under his just condemnation. But God in the person of Jesus Christ took humanity into his divinity. And he lived a sinless life in order to give us his goodness his righteousness, his perfection. Because Jesus in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard. And we could never meet that standard because we, are in re we were in rebellion against God. We didn't want to be like God. Our creative purpose to be and bear God's image, to be like God. That's why we were created. In our rebellion, we told God we didn't need Him. And we're all born under this and in this condition. This is the gospel. And it is God in Christ who seeks and saves. This is why the gospel is such good news. We couldn't get to God because of our sinfulness. So God came to us in Christ to redeem us, to forgive us, to give us his righteousness. If you base your ministry on the fact that people are good, or you base the gospel on people that people are by nature good, you miss their absolute and ultimate need, a Savior. Somebody to redeem them, to save them from the wrath of God. And it was God Himself, the one we offended, our Creator who redeems, who forgives. God bless.